This was the person who lived like no one had ever lived before, who taught a way no one had ever taught before, who healed like nobody had ever healed before, who forgave the way nobody had ever been able to forgive before, who loved like no one ever loved before. But because he was so different, he got crossways with the the ruling establishment politically and religiously. And they decided they needed to get rid of him. And they did. They took him outside the hill, uh, the tree, uh, outside the city to a tree on a hill, a cross. And they nailed him to it. And his love held him there until he died. And then they took him down and they placed him in that tomb. But on the third day, on the third day, that, that tomb couldn't contain him because God's resurrection power reached down into the darkness of that tomb and brought him back to life, made him alive again. And because of that, to this day, we and millions of other believers we gather together to proclaim to each other and to all the world, Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And we're so glad you're here today to celebrate that with us because it was a game changer. It did change everything. Everything is different because of the resurrection. Pain is different. Life is different. Hardship is different. Death is different. Everything is different. Now, that doesn't mean everything's all wonderful. Everything's all sweetness and light. There are still struggles. There are still difficulties. There are still challenges that we must face. But we face them in a different way. It doesn't mean that there's no more to be done because there is much more to be done. But that first Easter Sunday changed everything. Not in the way a lot of us want to think. When I was a kid seen so many cute little kids today, recently even. And they're just, man, it's so cool to see them, the girls in their beautiful little dresses and the guys in their whatever. <laughs> and I remember when I was a kid, and oh, those starched collars, having to button that up and everything that we weren't accustomed to. And we'd go to church when church was over, we'd go have big family dinner somewhere, family and friends, and then, and then we would go to the park or someplace and have the Easter egg hunt. And I got to tell you, if I'm going to be really honest, that Easter when I was a kid, was the Easter bunny was bigger than the resurrection was in that time, and it wasn't just because I was a kid. See, I had kind of a funny church that I grew up in. It was, it, was, it was a good place, full of good people that loved God and were devoted to Jesus Christ, but... But we had this kind of a different idea about what that meant. And, and we, we sort of measured how our devotion was by how much different we did stuff than any of the other churches. You know, our, our holiness quotient went up the less we did things like any other people did. And we were pretty good at that. 
And we excelled at it at Christmas and at Easter. We don't do anything like anybody else was doing. Now, that's not really the way a lot of people look at Easter these days, but I, I think most people look at it in a way that, that, well, that waters it down, that kind of shifts it, changes it a little bit. You see, we still have a tendency to uh, think of Easter as this comforting little story that says, you know, it's, it's all going to be okay. I mean, winter is almost over and spring is here and the trees are budding out and the flowers are starting to bloom and, and, and you know, life is going on and it's all beginning again and, and everything's just going to work out okay. So we can put on our lovely clothes and we can come and we can sing and we can have Easter dinner and we can go hunt eggs. And Easter has become this kind of a, a fairy tale day where we think about all the tension getting relieved and all the problems are over and all the danger got removed and, and everybody lived happily ever after. And because of that, there's some people that are, that are people who think more critically, think more seriously, that look at that and they go, that's just not it. And they, they tend to kind of not want to not wanna really accept that. I don't blame them because that's really not what Easter is. It really is not. And when you read the first accounts of what happened on that resurrection day, you get a very, very different picture. You see, in the, in the accounts that we find in the four Gospels in our, in our Bibles, when you read about what was going on, there's a lot of fear happening on Easter Sunday. I mean, and people are more afraid after they hear about the resurrection than they were before. For example, let's look at Matthew's account, Matthew 28. If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to turn there. We're going to be there for a little bit this morning. Matthew 28, we're going to start in verse 1. It's the, it's the very end of the first book in the New Testament. Here's what Matthew says. Here's how he describes it. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay and then go quickly and tell his disciples. He's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb afraid, yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Now, that's kind of a strange way to describe it, isn't it? Afraid, yet filled with joy. Those are two things that we don't see as very compatible. I mean, we certainly know what it is to be afraid. Every one of us can relate to being afraid. We've all been there. Whether we want to admit it, us macho guy types or not, we've all been there. Man, I was afraid last night. Did you hear the news about the, the, the district attorney down in Kaufman County? Well, it was awful. 
And that's the second time in what, a couple of months? It's scary times we're living in. Maybe that's not what's so scary to you. Maybe it's, maybe it's the last report you got from your physical. Maybe it's you're dreading the next layoff at work. Or maybe you're just wondering where, where the country's going with the gridlock in Washington and all of that. We know what it is to be afraid. But they were not just afraid. They were filled with joy. We know what it is to be filled with joy. Maybe not as often as we'd like to, but we know those moments when we're just, we're just overflowing with joy. But how do you do both of those at the same time? How could that happen? Well, it was because of the resurrection. Because the resurrection changes everything. Nothing is ever going to be the same for these people again. It's not any longer okay to just say, this is some, some wonderful rabbi, some charismatic leader that, that, that has this wonderful, new, fresh teaching and we're following him. That's not going to cut it anymore. They have to come face to face with the fact that this is the Son of God. This is God become flesh. And that changes everything. Once noted author, William Williman, he was, I think, dean of the chapel at Duke University at the time. He was asked by one of his skeptic friends. He said, why do you guys insist on a bodily resurrection of Jesus to make your your religion work? Here's what he said. He said, I don't need a resurrected Jesus. Come to think of it, I'm not sure I want a resurrected Jesus. In, in, In fact, in one sense, a resurrected Jesus is a real nuisance for me personally. I've got a good life. I figured out how to work the world on the whole to the advantage of me and my friends and family. My health is good and everybody's close to me is doing fine. I had the illusion that I'm in control, that I'm making a so significant contribution to help Jesus on my own. No, I don't need a bodily resurrected Jesus. In fact, once I truly embrace the resurrection of Jesus, my life would become much more difficult. So when the possibility of resurrection really comes through to you, When the rumor that something's afoot becomes a reality for you, well, you can see why the women in the gospel stories were scared that first Easter. This isn't a fairy tale, people. This isn't some nice, cozy little thing to tie everything up in a bow. This is scary. There were reasons to be scared. I mean, it was barely 48 hours since they stood with Jesus on trial and the crowd shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And so they did. Now, now Jesus is telling them, I want you to go back there, back into that city, back among those crowds. And I want you to tell them, okay, you crucified me, but it didn't work. I'm back, better than ever. You go tell Pilate that he failed. You go tell Herod that he failed. You go tell the Jewish priests that they failed. They didn't get rid of me. This movement they were trying to squash isn't dead. 
And by the way, tell them you're one of my followers. And they knew what that meant. They knew they were liable to be next. On Easter morning, their lives didn't get safer. They got a lot more dangerous. It scared the bejeebers out of them. But on Easter, they also find that there's something in this world that's more powerful than danger. And they're afraid, but they're still filled with joy. It's not just the women who are afraid. (laughs) The guys are just as afraid. You go over to John 20, and he tells about what they were doing. They're locked in a room because they're afraid of the Jews. They're afraid those people that got Jesus are coming after them next. Their names would be next on the list, and they're scared to death. They don't know what to do. And while they're there, locked away in that room, Jesus shows up. And when he comes in, he doesn't say, okay, guys, you can relax now. Okay, you know, you need take a chill pill. It's all okay. I've got, I'm here. I'm going to make sure everything's okay. No more hassle, no more problem. He doesn't say, you know, the hard part's over now. Now the easy part's here. I've taken care of all that. No. He says, okay, I have come. I am sending you just like the Father sent me. God sent him to come and tell people the good news and then die. That was a scary thing for them. Jesus says, my movement is going to go on and you are going to lead it. On that first Easter morning, everything changed. Jesus doesn't try to explain to them how it happened. He just says, here is your assignment. Here you go, guys. Here's what you do. Here, ladies, here's what you do. And the religious and political leaders are already furious. They've already started trying to come up with a a, a cover-up to the resurrection so they can try to do damage control. Jesus, (laughs) Jesus makes it clear Easter is not some comforting little metaphor, this generic reassurance as we face death. That's not what Easter is about. Easter is not about flowers making their way up through cracks in the sidewalk so life finds a way to overcome everything. That's not what Easter is about, folks. Easter is about proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who was raised again. Easter is proving, is saying to the world, God's power says... Jesus had it right. Everything that he said, everything that he taught, everything he he taught people about God, about love, about forgiving, about giving yourself away, all of it is true. And that changes everything. Because now people have a whole different way of looking at life and a whole different way of looking at death. And we're brand new. And it's exciting and it's thrilling and it fills us with joy, but it is not safe. It wasn't safe for them and it's not safe for us. 
if we're going to be all in, if we're going to be what God calls us to be and, and be the people that Christ modeled for us to become, it is not going to be safe. Jesus had always been talking about that. He had said back before, if you're going to be my follower, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to die to yourself before you can follow me. You see, Jesus wanted them to understand that it's not all just about the wonderful, joyous time of Easter. You don't get to the empty tomb before you go to the cross. That's the way it was for him, and that's the way it is for us today. And they realize that this story of death and resurrection isn't just his story, but it's their story as well. It's God's story for all of us who will experience the life that he wants to give us. And some of us don't even know we're not having it. (laughs) You remember the movie uh, several years ago? It was Bruce Willis was in it. It was called The Sixth Sense. Maybe you saw it? It was a weird movie. It was really different, kind of scary. Bruce Willis is in this movie, and there's this little kid who keeps telling him, I see dead people. I see dead people. And the twist comes at the end. If you haven't seen it and don't want to hear about it, put your fingers in yours. It comes at the end because you find out Bruce Willis is dead. He didn't know it. He's walking around. He's doing all this stuff. Dead. But he doesn't know it. That's where we are spiritually. We're dead. Our sins have separated us from God. Our sins have destroyed our life. We're dead spiritually, and we don't know it. God, in the resurrection, promised that Jesus is going to take care of our death. The disciples, at the time he was dying, they didn't know it. They didn't get it. They didn't understand wasn't until after the resurrection that they realized it. They realized that he died, but it wasn't just his death. Somehow it was our death as well. Somehow our sin was paid for on the cross. So they began to use this kind of death and resurrection language, like what Paul says in Galatians 2 and verse 20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I've got a new story now. I, I, there's this part of me that's, that's selfish, that's messed up, that's not what God ever intended my life to be about. And, and it just, it just, it's there. But it's dying because I've been crucified with Christ. I could never deal with it on my own. I I could never overcome that stuff. It just had such a grip on me. So I surrender it to God. Well, they would say things like Romans 6, for we, we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. I'm not what I once was. I'm becoming somebody new. God sees me that way. 
They would say things like 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I'm becoming new. I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived, but I'm getting stronger. God is changing me and shaping me and molding me by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He's changing who I am. That old dead person keeps, keeps wanting to come back to life, but he's getting weaker, and eventually he's going to be gone. When I sin. I remember what Jesus did at the cross. And I don't try to pretend I'm not, I'm not a wrong. I'm not sinning. I don't try to explain it away. I don't try to rationalize it. I don't try to give myself a free pass and excuse myself. I just confess it. Lord, it's wrong. It's horrible. It's evil. And I need your forgiveness. And then I repent. I, I turn from that. I say, God, give me the strength. Give me your power live a different life, a new life, not like the old person, the old flesh, the old man. And then, and this is really cool, then, then I do a reenactment. Paul talked about that in Romans 6. All of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death because that's what we do. And we're, and we're telling the story when that happens. Because you see, Jesus, on that day, so many years ago, they took him outside of the city up on that hill and they nailed him to that cross. And they left him there until he died. And then, when he was dead, they took him down off of that cross and they laid him in the tomb. And they shut him up in there. But this is where the most incredible, cool thing ever happened. Because on that third day, God's resurrection power reached down into that cold, dark tomb, and it brought him back to life. And it was a completely new, different kind of life that nobody had ever had before. It was a resurrection life. And he came out of that tomb. And what we do when we are baptized into Jesus is we die to ourselves just like he died on that cross. And then we go and we're lowered into that, that watery grave. And we're buried there just like Jesus was buried in the tomb. And then... And then the same power that raised him up out of that tomb, that raised him to a new life, raises us up out of that grave of water into a brand new life that we've never experienced before. It's a resurrection life, the same life that he had when God raised him from the dead. And it's amazing and it's incredible because the resurrection changes everything. That was the message Jesus sent to the disciples when he first appeared to Mary. John 20 and verse 17, Jesus said to Mary, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. You remember... 
the last time the disciples were with Jesus before this, it was the night he was betrayed. And they abandoned him. They deserted him. Peter denied even knowing him. You ever done something really, really awful? I don't know why. I mean, maybe it was the, the overwhelming stress of the moment. Maybe it was just this, you couldn't think fast enough. You just didn't realize what you were doing. But somehow you did something and you so mistreated somebody. You so abandoned somebody. You behaved as badly as you can even imagine. You didn't think you could do anything that bad. But you did. And when you look back on it, you didn't realize it at the time, but when you look back on it, you realize what you've done and you feel just horrible. And one of the things you don't want to think about is the next time you have to be with that person because you are not going to have a good time. Can you imagine how the disciples were thinking about what it was going to be like when they saw Jesus again? But he says, Mary... You go tell my brothers. You realize in all of John's gospel, he had never called them that before. He called them his friends, called them his servants, called them his disciples. He had never called them his brothers before. But the resurrection changes things. He says, you go tell my brothers. I'm returning to my father and to your father my God and to your God. Can you imagine what it must have been like for them to hear those words conveyed through Mary? They had, they had names for themselves. Loser, failure, traitor. Jesus said, you're my brother. Jesus saying, okay, guys, I'm going. My work's done, but your work is just starting. You got a job to do. I've got an assignment for you. And we read it at the very end of Matthew 28. All power in heaven on earth is given to me. So go make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I've taught you. And I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age. That's still our assignment. That's still our job. It's a little scary sometimes. Nothing compared to what they were scared of. But he's saying to us, okay, I've gone to my God and my Father and your God and your Father. But just as God sent me to do this, he's sending you now. And that's our job. When the reality of the resurrection really comes through to us, when we really get it, when we realize that we're already dead and only in Christ are we going to have this new life that no one can take away from us. When we understand it the way they understood it, 
and we will truly experience the resurrection power in our own lives. Because what God did through them, he is doing through us today. May God help us to do what they did. Let's pray together. Father, thank